It is 12.05 on a rainy Saturday. It's a good day to uh, grab a phone. Give us a call. Dr. Payne shows here. Dr. Lou, you know, Dr. Payne, every time I, I talk about this show, it's like I think you're a Bond character, but uh, <laughs> that's not the case. Uh, Luigi Nelli is here. He's uh, Dr. Lou. He's a doctor dedicated to pain management, taking your phone calls like we did last week. Uh, anything under the umbrella of pain management, uh, we're talking physio, we're talking anything to help the body. Let's uh, talk a little bit again for those who are new to the show exactly uh, what the purpose of this whole thing is, right? Yeah. Thanks, John. Uh, I guess the same thing that we've uh, discussed over the last few weeks is really we want to try to demystify pain. Pain is something that's often poorly understood in Mm -hmm. healthcare, even though it's so common. uh, We tend to understand so much more about things that seem more complicated, like if we're talking about cancer or heart disease. These systems seem like they'd be much more complex. But having said that, there's such a psychological component and such a social component and such a physical component with pain that there's a lot that's really poorly misunderstood and poorly managed in healthcare. Oftentimes, um, what happens with pain is someone... A lot of times people will go into their doctors, whoever they're seeing, and their pain gets dismissed because they've been there so many times. I was uh, I was thinking about a story as I was coming here, and I, uh, this happened a few months ago, actually, okay. where I was a patient was referred to me uh, for neck pain. And the physician had sent that patient to see me for this neck pain and had taken x-rays and just sent it off to me and said, this is a patient with simple mechanical neck pain. Can you help him out? Obviously, the key to what we have to do is our thorough assessment. So when I was looking at this patient and I was talking to them, this was a middle-aged man, but otherwise very healthy besides that. Uh, No other confounding issues that that were going on. And as I was going through his assessment, he had nothing that really stuck out to me, no red flags. We finished the history, then we went on to our assessment. As soon as I touched his neck, his lymph nodes were just swollen everywhere. You could feel it just yeah, by, it wow. just instantly. And, and, you know, that was one component that was missing that uh, the family physician forgot to do was let's feel this person's neck, see what's going on. And all these lymph nodes were just swollen all kinds. And so at that point, I basically, that's when the flag started going off in my head. And it basically became, this is something more than just simple mechanical neck pain. Sent him back to his family doctor, who I have a very good relationship mm-hmm. with. Uh, we ran all the necessary tests. The patient ended up having lymphoma. What he thought was simple mechanical pain ended up being something that was very serious, but thankfully it was caught early, and uh, and I believe he's okay. See, it's amazing. And you'd, you'd expect, you know, not that you'd expect that he did anything wrong, but the, his, his doctor, you know, with the, with the white coat in the office, you figure if he's going to find anything, he's going to be the guy. But it was that opinion on the other side. Yeah. That and helped, and right? you know what? The family doctor called me right after and said, thank you so much. And, and you know what? The, the thing is, sometimes you just get busy and it could happen to anyone. It's not necessarily negligence. It's just a right. simple mistake. And, and you know what? He was thankful to have me in his toolbox of other providers to use. And that's where you build the relationships with other providers. You build it with people that you know that you could trust, that if you make a mistake on that day, someone else may have your back. And that's the key with what I've done is with the team that I've built, I want to make sure that there's someone there that's always there to catch a backup plan. 416-870-6400-STAR-640 on cell. We are taking your calls throughout this hour. You have uh, questions about pain, pain management, stuff you've been through. We'd love to hear your stories and your questions if you're, uh, you're looking for answers. That's kind of way you, you set up your entire practice. You're not just focusing on one thing. You have a pain management team, right? That's right, yeah. And we've talked about this in the last few weeks that really when it comes to pain, because, and as I alluded to earlier uh, today, is that it's so multifactorial that you therefore need 
a team of different kinds of professionals to deal with that all the way from, you know, the mental aspect where it would be a psychologist or psychiatrist to the social aspect, working with social workers, uh, all the way to the physical aspect, the rehabilitation, sometimes medication, sometimes surgery. You really have to have a team in place where you look at what the patient needs mm -hmm. and then you could put that together to, to serve the patient. Do you find pain medications usually the, uh, the well, I'll say the first frontier that people come with you? You know, they're already on the T3s or they're on the, you know, pain medication to start with because they haven't found the source yet. Right? Of course. And just by the very nature, I mean, as humans, from an evolutionary standpoint, we want to conserve energy. And the easiest thing to do is take pain pain medication. So it's often the first thing that we can go to. It's easiest for us. It's going to conserve the most amount of energy. Doing anything else might require more energy. So it is something that people will often default to. And again, sometimes it's absolutely necessary, and sometimes it needs to be necessary throughout the course of treatment. I should uh, remind you as well, if you're new to the show, we do this every Saturday at uh, noon here, and uh, Dr. Lou's Number, by the way, one eight five 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 five. Doctor Lou, that's D R L O U. Not that I had to spell it for you, but that's the case. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break. Get uh, into the meat of this. You want your phone calls coming up? The phone lines are wide open. Just getting rolling here. Doctor Payne Show on Talk Radio AM six forty. That is right. It is uh, twelve fourteen. Uh, lines are wide open. You got a question for Doctor Lou you in pain? Healthcare matters. We can uh, we can handle them all. I want to get into this, guys, before we go any further. Now, uh, Dr. Lou, uh, we have a, well, not really a guest. He's here every week. He's just really quiet. Anthony's in the studio. He's your brother, right? He is my brother. It's a yes, family show. Brother. Now, radio a is the uh, it's this thing we love. We love radio. That's what I've been doing for years. But the news is there's a TV show coming up. We do love radio, but we also love TV. Look at you guys hitting the TV. What else? It's unstoppable. Give some details. Well, I, I'm a television producer. Mm -hmm. I've got a show called The Aviators. It's going into its seventh season. That uh, It's been on Discovery Channel. It's on PBS. It airs around the world to uh, tens of millions of people around the world. And we thought, uh, what's the next subject that we can target here? Mm -hmm. If there only was an interesting character that we could uh, right, do right. something with and share some good information. And didn't Dr. Lou just present himself? <laughs> How <and> about that? <laughs> so it's going to be, uh, you're going to be getting a TV show happening in what, early 2017? It, it's going to be in 2017. Okay. TV's a little slower to, to kick off than radio, but I think radio is a great way to, to build up uh, Luigi's persona and get him out there in the general public cool. and, then, and then put him on TV and share a lot of this same information that we're doing but uh create a visual component as well and uh just have some fun with it it's not going to be uh, a dry slow moving show it's going to be right. it's we're gonna have a lot of fun with it a lot of entertainment a lot of interesting information a lot of cool visuals uh one of the things that we want to do is go to some of these big intimidating machines that people are afraid of uh, diagnostic tools yeah, yeah. and the tunnel right yeah, the MRI you know, tunnel. yeah and, yeah. and let's, let's dispel some of those myths of of what makes them terrifying Scary. you know right. and and let's go right. they're they're not gonna hurt you they're well, well i mean maybe i'll go in it maybe dr lou will go in it someone's gonna go in it mm -hmm. and you'll find hey it, it's just something it's a tool that does what it does it doesn't yeah. hurt it's not intimidating and it, it's it's a good thing and, and this is the kind of stuff that we're gonna show on the tv so that's coming in 2017 you go to facebook.com forward slash dr lou tv check out more for updates there as well right that's right and uh for the purpose of this hour 416-870-6400 star 640 on cell peter in oshawa good afternoon peter how are you pal okay I just wanted to ask you, I had um diagnosed about a week ago, and then I had it for about a week before that. You know, real hot, humid day, days. I've been working around uh, job sites, and I had, like, blisters, like a blister rash at the side of my leg, and there's, like, uh, maybe a two-inch 
two inch uh, by two inch, and then up further the leg there was another two inch by two inch, and then all the way up to the side of my waist, basically on one side. I went to our walk-in, and they, he said, oh, I think it's just a, a fungal rash or a heat rash. He gave me some cream, and it had like 1% or cortisone on it. And basically, the rash just kind of disappeared, but I noticed like a burning sensation still down my leg. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, my back's been hurting. My muscles been hurting like, you know, never before. And I've been sleeping more, and I go, seems like more than a rash yeah the um peter uh so you, which leg is this on it's on my left side on the left side on the inside of the leg and it's tracking from the inside of the leg up towards your hip area and into your back is that right uh, it hasn't gotten into my back really okay, okay. was it it stopped right up my weight right at my waist mm-hmm. and then my back and then uh my back left side that the same thing is on has been killing me. Okay. And there's a pain component to this where there's pain going down the leg? A bit, yeah. Yeah. My I next question like is... The, the burning sensation, like mm-hmm. I got a sunburn yeah, and in that whole area. I don't know if you know, but the, the rash, when you looked at it, did it kind of look like little pimples that were fluid-filled that were clear? It kind of looked like little blisters. Yeah. So something like that, that actually sounds like shingles more than anything else. And and that's how shingles usually presents. And that type of virus resides in what's called the dorsal root ganglion of the spine. So oftentimes what will happen is it follows the nerve path. And what you're describing is what we would call a dermatomal path, which is the path of sensation for the leg. So if it's not better yet, the best advice I have for you right now, based on what you're telling me here on the radio is that it does sound like it could be shingles and I would go get that check because if it is, you're going to need some type of an antiviral like a cyclovar. Um, and, you know, the dangerous thing with, with shingles is not really while it's active and present, it's w- something called post-herpatic neuralgia, which is that there, the nerve tends to learn the pain and can reside there for a long time. So that's usually what happens to be a little bit bigger of an issue. So if it's something that's still going on, I think uh, your best bet is go get that checked out right away. And it sounds like it could be shingles. Yeah, it does. When he looked at it, he goes, no, it's not shingles. Hmm. It would all be one. It would uh, all be one one uh, patch. Yeah, and, and you not. know what? Sometimes w- what we talk about is something called prodromal or early. So sometimes things, the symptoms that we know that are textbook, don't necessarily present on day one and may develop. So you, when you went, you know, what was it, a few days ago, may not have been textbook, but all of a sudden now today it may, may be a little bit more textbook. Right. His cream, his cream that he ba- gave, given me, basically, it's dried up the rash. Yeah, pieces, well, well, for, for a really, vi- uh, stop the pain. No, and, and it won't. A cortisone cream, any type of hydrocortisone cream, is really, it's a steroid-based cream. So it's just really meant to help heal the rash if it's a rash not due to something like shingles. But with shingles, that's a virus. And it's not a, about anything that you're going to uh, do exactly to the rash. It's more about applying an antiviral uh, to that. You mentioned a nerve thing there in that discussion. I want to uh, come back after the sure. break and ask you what it meant. In the sure. meantime, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. See, that's why we're taking your phone calls. Dr. Lou is here. He's answering them. Give us a call. Lines are open. Dr. Payne.
Talk Radio, AM 640. 12.23, Dr. Payne show is here to 1 o'clock with Dr. Lou. You know that time, you know, the, the big joke is you walk into a party, you meet someone's doctor. Yeah, doctor, I got this pain. This is the time you can actually do that and call through. That's the whole point of the show. So give us a call, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Uh, before we move on to another call, you mentioned some nerve. What is it again? Uh, post-herpatic neuralgia. You said something about the nerve learning the pain? Yeah, so what happens with the the herpes family of viruses, so we were just talking to, uh, I believe it was Peter, our previous guest, and Mm -hmm. we were talking about shingles, and that's herpes zoster, which is the same thing as chickenpox, it just presents later in life. Uh, It's also the same type of virus that exists with cold sores. It's part of the herpes family, and what happens with this virus is it basically lives in your your nerve at the, what's called the dorsal root ganglion, which is kind of uh, the processing center for the sensation component of your nerves, and so that's why something like a cold sore gets reactivated because that virus actually stays there and when there's some type of a trauma it can reactivate and so the same thing happens with uh shingles when that happens that if the pain uh is there for long enough that sensation becomes learned and that pain can stay in that area of the body it just it'll it'll linger there because it'll linger there yeah and then and then and you know we we've dealt with a lot of patients with post-herpatic neuralgia and it's a very very tough thing to get rid of because it just it's learned and once it's yeah. learned we talked about this on day one once you learn how to ride a bike it's really hard to forget to, to unlearn to it yeah yeah, yeah right. it's often harder to unlearn than it is to learn 416-870-6400 star 640 on cell dave and belleville pardon me hi dave how are you good okay you got a question for uh for dr lou go ahead yeah my doctor said i had a vitamin b deficiency and it had to do with absorption and come every month for a vitamin b shot Vitamin B or vitamin D? I think it's a B. Yeah, vitamin B. Yeah, that's that's uh, what I was going to say was on the uh, computer here. I see vitamin D, but that's not nearly as common mm-hmm. as a B12 deficiency. Uh, yeah, if you have a deficiency and there's no way for your body to absorb it, the only option that you do really have is to go get those injections uh, every few weeks when the doctor recommends. Okay, and what's that from? Is it like something I can eat different, or is it just like how it is? Yeah, if if it's a deficiency where the doctor is recommending that you need to get injections, it's likely not due to a deficiency in your diet. It's likely due to a deficiency in your body's ability to actually absorb the nutrient. So you're probably uh, doing the right things to get the nutrient, just your body's unable to process it. And in that case, that's where you need to... Uh, um, have that, those injections. And one of the things with vitamin B is oftentimes and with a vitamin B deficiency that contributes to the pain syndrome is neurological type of pain. So I'm not really sure about your history, but is there any type of history of nerve type pains like sciatica and things like that? Yes, I do have sciatica. Yeah. yeah so, so and a lot of times uh, it's important when you're dealing with those pains, you may think it's just physical by, you know, a tight muscle or, or a herniated disc. It could actually be like in your case where it's a uh, vitamin B12 deficiency. So, yeah, I think if uh, the doctor's recommended injections, uh, it's likely due to a deficiency of malabsorption. Okay, thank you very no much. No problem. So is, are they doing that because the absorption, they have to bypass the digestive system to get That's the right. vitamin D? they got to go right to the bloodstream, they got to go right? right into it, yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty fascinating yeah. stuff. And I'm going to get to an email that, uh, that came in here. If I can read this with my fantastic eyes. Don't work on eyes, do you? Um, William <laughs> I know says, people that do. <laughs> right, I bet you do. Uh, William writes in and says, uh, spontaneous uh, pneumothorax in 2008. I've run mm. a full spectrum of regular traditional treatments with no success. 
Went to a pain doctor who just wanted to push pills, although some could be helpful. I still do not think I have found one that is nearly effective enough. Nerve pain by the T7 after removal of a tube which had become uh, attached inside. That's when I began pain, rib pain, back pain, stomach pain. Any recommendations for managing this type of pain? Yeah, that's another loaded question uh, with something like a, sponta- a spontaneous pneumothorax, which is extremely uh, rare f- to happen. But uh, this is kind of similar to a lot of times uh, women with pregnancy with an epidural. Once something goes into an area of the body, like some type of an injection, mm-hmm. uh, if it's kind of in the wrong part of the spine that you're injecting into, it can leave these long lasting uh pains. Um, I think for something like that, I'd have to know more to really uh, divulge what maybe he's done that he or what he hasn't done and what he's already done and maybe go from there and give him some closer um, pointers on exactly what he could do to get something like that better. But really a question like that, you really need to know a lot more information in terms of what exactly was done uh, just after. Right. Because a lot of times that's what matters is what was immediately done following that trauma. And that even goes for people when they're on their own and they hurt themselves. If they don't do the right thing right away, that's oftentimes the start of a chronic uh, pain cascade. And it can exacerbate from there, that's right? That's right, yeah. Yeah, that number, William, if you want to call uh, Dr. Lou, one eight five 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 five. Dr. Lou, we'll get in a quick call here before a break. Uh, Carlos in Toronto. Good, uh, good afternoon, Carlos. Oh, hey, uh, thanks for taking my call. No worries. So my, my question is really, really uh, quick. I got um, rotator cuff issues in both my left and my right uh, uh, shoulders, and I also uh, have calcific tendonitis in my uh, right shoulder, and it's quite painful. I'm wondering if there's anything apart from the physiotherapy and pain medication that I could do to help either like minimize or get rid of the uh, pain completely. And I can take my call off. Uh, sorry, my answer off the air. Thanks. Thanks, Carlos. Yeah, so th- this uh, we had a, a question last week, actually, yeah. that went back to shoulders. And really, we were discussing about um, the shoulders and how complicated they are. And a lot of times, the presentations of a tendonitis or a rotator cuff pathology really presents because of the function of the shoulder. When you look at the shoulder, the shoulder's connected to the shoulder blade or the scapula, and that scapula has to sit on the rib cage. And if it's not sitting on the rib cage the right way by having strong muscles, uh, it will make various degree changes in the shoulder that put added stress on on certain soft tissue structures so a lot of times with these shoulder injuries it's not really about the tendonitis or the bursitis or the pathology. It's actually more about let's look at the function. And if we can determine the proper angles to be doing things at and find a way to get that scapula sitting properly on the rib cage again, then then that's usually the, the, the magic bullet in that type of treatment. Because as we said last week, going into a break here, we'll just, uh, I'll just touch on this, that the, the shoulder is a very unique joint. It's a very, weird joint. Yeah, right? it's, it's, in my opinion, the the hardest joint to treat because of how mobile it is and how it's it, it's inherent structure. It's not a good architectural piece like the elbow or the knee where if you took away all the soft tissue, they fit together like a puzzle piece. Right. The shoulder doesn't really do that. It actually just kind of hangs there besides the soft tissue that's holding it in place. We'll take a, a quick break. Love it. More of your phone calls coming up. If you want to give us a call, we got lines open 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Dr. Payne Show continues on Talk Radio, AM 640, 1232. Dr. Dr. Payne Show, Dr. Lou is here, one 855 Dr. Lou is your number directly, and uh, you know the number for the radio station taking your call. Should uh, mention as well, 100 Humber College Boulevard, that's where your clinic is, That's right? the flagship uh, clinic, yeah, but we do have a network of providers across mm-hmm. the GTA for those of uh, for those 
potential uh, patients out there that can't get there. And, you know, we uh, just to, to mention again, like you did at the beginning of the show, uh, people can add me to their Facebook page, and it's Dr. Lou, Dr. L-O-U. Uh, and there's a lot of neat stuff on there. We post, a, yeah, we post a lot of these, uh, these things that we're talking about on there. People can also find out a little bit about me and my hobbies and the things I like to do. I'm mm-hmm. just a normal person. There's a normal guy. <laughs> normal guy. Got to Phil in Toronto. Good afternoon, Phil. What's your story? Hey, how you doing? Yeah, after spending the whole day yesterday in emergency, uh, after ultrasounds and CAT scans, they diagnosed me with um, um, pancreatitis. Mm-hmm. Now, um, there's talking about enzymes coming up that you release from your pancreas. Mine was at 250. I didn't really understand the doctor's talk, but um, they said normal numbers are 50. Um, mm-hmm. Make a long story short, pain subsided last night, and it's starting to act up again today. But I'm just wondering, you know, there was no painkillers given, or and they say the main cause of this is excessive alcohol, but I'm not a drinker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm just a little concerned about, you know, this is, could it be an ongoing thing for me. Yeah, something like pancreatitis, which is inflammation of the pancreas, uh, is kind. It's just a general symptom. A lot of times, people will go into a hospital and they're told that they have a symptom. It'd be the equivalent if you went in and you had a fever and you left and they told you that you have a fever. Oftentimes with pancreatitis, there's some type of underlying issue going on. Okay. And yes, it can become inflamed uh, with excessive drinking, but like Phil's mentioning here, he's not a drinker. So there may be something else going on that's causing that type of inflammation. And although the pain uh, is something that's bothering you right now, they really, even if they gave you painkillers, if they don't get to the root cause, there's not going to be really much that those painkillers will do. Uh, So I would say that the best thing that you should do is follow up with your family doctor and figure out why is your pancreas inflamed? Because if you're not a drinker and there's no good uh, reason for it to acutely flare up like that, well, then we should try to get to the bottom of why it would. Right, right. Okay. Okay. Because I've been taking Tylenol for the last three days and it helps a bit, but Again. I know you're throwing it back like Tic Tacs and not doing anything, right? Yeah, that, yeah. It, it's yeah. tough, right? Yeah. If, if, if it's not targeting the area, right. uh, and you know, there's, there's probably a component of you that's also worried, the psychological component, and you could take the strongest pain medication, but your mind's going to be stronger, and if you're worried about yeah. it and you're anxious about it, right. that's going to diminish the effect of that medication. So right. uh, I think the, the, just based on the concern that I hear in you, your number one uh, priority is get that anxiety under control in terms of go to someone who can help you uh, figure out exactly what's causing that pancreatitis. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Got lines open. Joe up in Aurelia. Good afternoon, Joe. Hey, Good Joe. Afternoon. Hey, Good there afternoon. Sorry, hi. No worries. What's up? Hi. Um, I've uh, been diagnosed with uh, two osteophytes in my cervical spine that um, uh, is pressing on my nerve going down my right arm. Now, in the last year, I haven't been in a lot of pain, but my doctor says but as they continue to grow, um, that may become a serious issue. And at that point, I would need a, uh, a fusion of my spine mm-hmm. to resolve the issue. And I'm wondering, is there anything that can be done? Is there any alternatives to fusion, number one? And number two, is there anything I can do between now and then to, uh, to either make it not happen or, or extend the time? Yeah. Um, how old are you, Joe? I'm 47. 47. So that's still relatively 
uh, young. And then for our viewers who don't know what an osteophyte is, an osteophyte is when bone starts to become arthritic in the neck and it starts to uh, grow bigger than it yeah. should. It becomes what's called an osteophyte. And a lot of the times with osteophytes, and we had a caller uh, talk about this with stenosis last week, those osteophytes will, will occlude the areas where the nerve or the spinal cord comes out, and that's what causes the pain syndrome. And yeah, there are some things uh, that can be done for sure. And, um, you know, I would say give us a call at one 855 doctor Lou so that we can help you get you get you to someone who can do things other than just the fusion. The problem with fusion surgeries is that you can fuse a segment, but then what ends up happening above and below is problems start to occur there because you've now removed an area of movement. It's got to go somewhere else, It's got to go somewhere else. So so oftentimes fusion is good for removing that initial uh, pain that you're feeling from that, but it often leads to a constellation of other symptoms in other areas. Right. How's that sound, Joe? Well, that sounds interesting. It's, it's, uh, it's, I'm wondering if, uh, if there's anything I can do to prevent those, those things from growing more. Yeah, there, there are going to be things, and, and this is where it comes down to function and the types of things you're doing day-to-day where you need that thorough assessment for someone to really look at you, uh, take into consideration everything that you're doing in your day, and make the recommendations on how you can change your function in order to to s- slow the progression of those right. osteophytes because nothing is going to make it disappear at this point, right? They're there, and the only thing that can happen is you're either going to slow them down if you do the right things or you're going to do the wrong things, and it's going to expedite it and probably lead to more serious uh, neurological symptoms. Again, Joe, that number one eight five 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 five. doctor Lou. Mohammed, we'll get you in here before the break. What's uh, what's going on with you? Hi, Mohammed. Mohammed. I hear a beeping noise. That's never a good sign. We'll put Muhammad on uh, on hold for a sec. Uh, is it uh, Jalen? Yes, it is. Hi, Jalen. What's going on? Well, I had to do this beep test at school and gym. So you run for 10 seconds, and then it's like 20 I, meters. I, I remember it, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. remember the beep test. <laughs> so I got a cramp, and then ever since then, it was like a week ago, like yesterday, Mm-hmm. And I keep, I get cramps every single time I walk, even like at home in my kitchen if I get up. Where walk, Where is the cramp? In the side, in my waist. Like, in, you know, when you jog and you get a cramp, it's there it's mm-hmm. in the side. So one of the biggest, uh, it, there's a muscle called the psoas, which is actually the filet mignon. It's the same muscle as, as the steak. Uh, it's a hip flexor, and it attaches from your lumbar spine down into your hip, and it's what causes your hip to flex. And a lot of times these cramps are actually due to that muscle being overused and, and something that you often don't do, like a beep test, and that muscle stays in a chronic contraction. So the right. key with something like that is oftentimes finding someone who can actually... Uh, assess the psoas properly, and if it needs to be released in terms of doing some soft tissue work, release it, and oftentimes it's it's kind of a magic cure. So like a massage therapist or something like that? Yeah, any type of uh, of the physical type of therapist will help with that, whether it's a chiro or a massage therapist. The, the biggest thing is finding someone who's competent in assessing uh, the psoas because it's not an easy muscle to get to, and it's a muscle oh. that's often avoided. Can you do that stuff? Absolutely. You, yeah, yeah. you know the people, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, of course. And I see that she's in Woodbridge, so that's not far from our flagship uh, clinic, so give us a call. Jalen, that's uh, number one eight five 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 five. doctor Lou, we're taking a short break. Phone lines are open. You want to call the radio station, you know that number by now. 870-6400, star 640 on cell. Dr. Payne continues. Talk radio, AM 640. Got phone lines ready for you at uh, 1244 here. Show is flying by. We'll try Muhammad again. Hi, Muhammad. Hi, hello, Doc. Ah, there you are. Yeah. What's going on? What's your concern? I am listening to the show, and um, somebody described me as a tea 
before. I have a burning sensation and a feel bruised and sore on my right side, just above the hip. Mm -hmm. And then a week now, it broke out to be a rash. Right. I went to my doctor, mm -hmm. and he said I have shingle. Yep. And uh, he gave me some medication. Mm -hmm. I could tell you the medication name. I have it in front of me. V A L A C Y C L O V I R. Okay. And they have a PO in front. I have to take six tablets a day. Yep. Uh, for seven days. Okay. Now, um, I forget to ask him if shingles is contagious. I didn't hear you talk about oh, that in the show. Interesting question. Um, it's really more contagious for anybody who has never had chicken pox. So if you've had chicken pox, it's not really... Why is it, that? Uh, just because you've never been introduced to the virus. So oh, a lot similar. of times, any time yeah. a, a virus... And that's, you know, that's what a vaccine is, right? It's a, it's a weakened form of a virus introduced for your own body to build uh, an immune tolerance to this type of virus. So it's the same type of thing. It's, it's oftentimes, if you've had chicken pox, you're usually in the clear. But having said that, that's not an absolute rule. That's why now they're starting to introduce the shingles vaccine. Uh, and that's something that will make it less likely that... You, and even that won't guarantee that you won't contract it. Yeah, so if I want to move around, I go to function and meeting and this and that. So mm -hmm. I shouldn't be going because I can pass it on to somebody who had chicken pox yeah. before. Yeah, it's a, it's a kind of a tough question. I would definitely, you know, if it's, it's also you kind of have to touch the vesicles and get uh, the fluid out of the vesicles and then touch yourself in order to be contagious. So if you're going to a meeting, uh, they're likely not going to just be rubbing your shoulder for no reason on its skin. So it shouldn't it's not like you're going to breathe on them and that's contagious. Right. But as long as I would obviously make sure that no one's actually touching the rash unless it's a healthcare professional. But I mean, I've seen patients with shingles and I've, uh, you know, didn't have gloves on and I've kind of mm -hmm. poked around to see and, and it's fine. Right. But there is the chance that yeah it's absolutely contagious and i wouldn't advise that anybody take that type even i should be wearing gloves but you know i remember the one time i just didn't have them readily yeah. available appreciate the call muhammad enjoy your lunch uh kevin in toronto how are you pal yeah not too bad how you doing good what's up uh basically i got uh i got a soccer injury about a month ago playing and it and it, it was some discomfort in the bottom of my foot and they diagnosed it as uh, plantar fasciitis oh, that's nasty now as I was playing, I noticed some discomfort, and then, like, I had to stop playing at some point because it was becoming very hard to uh, run. Mm -hmm. And then the next day, I couldn't walk at all. Okay. And, and, then, and then a couple days after, you know, I, I was slowly able to put a little more weight on it, a little more weight on it. Um, I, I am seeing a physio right now, but uh, I'm just wondering, like, I, I have no confidence in it to be able to run. I'm just wondering... You know, how long or is there anything else I can do to kind of speed up the healing process? Yeah, my first question would be, is it actually plantar fasciitis? Because oftentimes, like, some type of instant trauma doesn't really cause something like plantar fasciitis. If it is plantar fasciitis, uh, fine. The, the difficult thing with any foot issue is that... If you had a shoulder issue, you had some type of an acute injury, oftentimes we would just tell you, you know, try to minimize your use of it. Mm -hmm. The problem with any foot injury is in order to minimize the, the use of the foot, you'd have to stop walking, which obviously we're not going to advise. Or hop around one foot. Yeah, and, and that's the dangerous part is, is with foot issues, they do tend to take a longer time to heal just because of the very nature that you need your feet to move around. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I think it's, it's worth a discussion to be had with whoever's working on it. Uh, 
is it is it something that's painful first thing in the morning for you or if you uh, yeah, yeah. That, that's usually the most painful and then like i have to drive for work so yeah. whenever i i'm in like an hour or two in the car without anything and i i start walking again yeah i'll, I'll have a little bit of pain and then it will kind of uh subside or, or maybe i've just got yeah to and the, the thing that with people with plantar fasciitis the thing that i recommend the most is anytime you've gone through a period of rest like throughout the night or you're sitting in a car all the things that you're describing the reason why the initial impact hurts so much is your bot is your foot naturally has a springing sensation to it so once you've been sleeping and it's staying in its nice curved position for eight hours it tends to heal that way and then you introduce gravity and all your weight to it and boom it kind of rips it's kind of like if you had a, a cut on your knuckle yeah. and you kept bending you you slept all night up. and then uh, you woke okay. up in the morning and you just you know bent your finger right away it would start bleeding again so the biggest thing with that is warm that foot up so before you get up in the morning before you're big first step start moving that foot around massage it a little move it around get it warm going back to our conversation about warming up getting those ends versus going. stretching yeah yeah and yeah. and getting it warmed up so that initial impact uh isn't as uh as you know aggressive as it would be if you hadn't done that is stuff. there any sort of appliance they 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 give you or wear for plantar fasciitis there are some simple things that you could do uh, with plantar fasciitis. Sometimes what people recommend to keep a really good arch in your foot is you take a really big sock and you kind of yeah. pin the front to uh, the ankle. Uh, it, it really depends. I don't, I'm, I don't know that I really buy the fact of putting it into more of an arch uh, right. just because then when you take your initial step, then there's more springing happening. So uh, it's just a tough thing to treat. Uh, I do recommend to people to kind of break up that scar tissue to roll their foot on a golf ball before oh, bed, wow. stuff like that. So that's something that he could try. We'll take a, a quick break. Uh, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell and outside of show hours or any time for that matter. Uh, Dr. Lou's number, keep it on you. It's one 855 Dr. Lou, it is Dr. Payne. The show right here on Talk Radio AM 640. 12.52, we'll get to as many as we can here over the next few minutes, right, till uh, 1 o'clock, 870-6400, star 640 on cell. We'll get to uh, Ruth. Hi, Ruth. Good afternoon. Hi, how are you? Good. What's your question for Dr. Uh, Dr. Well, Luke? I was just telling the lovely young lady that does your screening. Uh, I met a friend today that I haven't seen for quite some time, and, of course, we exchange pleasantries and, you know, cheek-to-cheek -cheek and patting and whatever. And then during the conversation, I said to him, what have you done to your eye? He says he had herpes simplex something or other. Mm -hmm. Is that contagious? Am I, should I be worried about this? How long ago was this contact? Uh, an hour. An hour ago? Yeah, yes. I mean, I think the best recommendation is I, I wouldn't worry. It's going to be very rare for something like that uh, to be contagious. And you know, if you do start seeing any signs and symptoms, the dangerous part is if you think about signs and symptoms, you often start to develop or think that you have those signs and symptoms. So my best advice with you, for you would be just don't worry about it. You likely are fine. Uh, if for whatever reason you do start noticing stuff, you're going to have to take the proper uh, steps to get it looked at. But I, I highly doubt that that you, you uh, contracted it. Oh, uh, thank you. Uh, okay. What are the symptoms? For something like that, for ocular herpes? Uh-huh. Uh, the different types of vision type of issues, pain in that area of the body. Again, you know, uh, the dangerous okay. thing is if I start telling you all these symptoms, I, you're yeah. going to start feeling that's them. That's what I've got. Hey, you know, you're going to be driving around <laughs> thinking that you yeah, have uh, herpes in your eyes, but you you I, don't I have herpes in your eyes. Already. You know, don't worry about it. <laughs> you're fine, Ruth. Got uh, Walter. Good afternoon, Walter. Uh, thank Good you for calling in. Thank you. Um, I've been in the hospital for seven months. I just got into rehab uh, with a bunch of hospital-inflicted ailments, and one of them 
The worst one is a really bad bed sore on my coccyx, hmm. which is taking forever to heal. Yeah. Um, I've been on a vac dressing, which yep. they've taken now. They've taken off. I'm just wondering in terms of pain management, uh, they're giving me hydromorphone, which I don't want to get addicted to, and they've been giving me up to nine Tylenols a day, which I refuse to take just because of the recent Health Canada warning mm-hmm. uh, about taking too much Tylenol. So I'm wondering if there's any other safer alternative uh, short of going to a higher pain medication. Yeah, this, the thing with bed sores, it, it's really tough. Uh, w- w- anytime an area of the body, and it's it's often common with bed sores in hospitals that uh, that area, the sacrum or the coccyx, uh, will undergo necrosis, and that's what that's what a bed sore is. It's necrosis, which just means cell death in that area. And so, right. like uh, Walter alluded to, they'll remove the area that's died, and then they'll do something to pack it and help regenerate the the the, the tissue. The the harder part about that is the areas in that part of the body that were initially feeling pain that kept sending that signal back and forth to the brain and now all of a sudden there's that pain pathway that's been developed um it's a tough question to answer specifically on exactly what can be done uh with the conversation over the phone i'm happy to speak with you a little bit more privately uh, to hear a little bit about it so if you like after uh we're done the radio segment if you give us a call at the one eight five 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 doctor lou i'll speak to you personally and, and see if there's anything that we could do to recommend to help you good thank you well the wound's been healing nicely because i'm good. using a carbon 60 which is a ultra-high antioxidant yeah. from Europe uh, yeah, okay. for free radical scavenging. Right. I just wanted to look at the pain management. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think that's you know an area that we're going to be able to play a better role in terms of the advice. And I'm happy to hear that the wound is healing well, because a lot of times they don't. But that's great that it is. Walter, appreciate the call. I'll get to uh, Alex here in Toronto. Good afternoon, Alex. Go ahead. Uh, yes, good afternoon. Um, so I've been feeling this uh, symptom for, for a couple of years now, actually, Probably uh, more like a few years. Um, it's it's uh, my right foot. It kind of happens uh, throughout the day, um, where where I feel like it's pins, like like pins or uh, or needles yeah. uh, going at the sole of my foot. Okay. And um, I, to this day, I still haven't been able to uh, get a clear answer from my doctor on what what this could be from. Yeah, there's so many things. The one thing I could tell you for sure is that pins and needles is a neurological type of symptom. So obviously it's something related to the nerve. Now, what what the, the next step becomes is what's wrong with the nerve? Is it something that's central nervous system, um, like in the brain or in the spinal cord causing that type of tingling? Is it something in the back, like a disc herniation uh, that's putting pressure and you're feeling it at that end of the nerve? Or is it, you know, something peripherally, a type muscle in the calf that's causing that? Or even sometimes... Uh, things like diabetes cause peripheral neuropathies and can have sensations like that so there's so many different things that could lead to uh, a pins and needles sensation in in the bottom of the foot and i'm not really sure who you've had look at it or not look at it and what they've said could or could not be the cause uh okay well i haven't been to any like chiropractors uh it was just my family doctor that i've been to and and I mean, what did just, the family doctor say? Like, this is obviously a chronic issue that's been going on uh, for years. Uh, and, you know, the the harder part is when something is chronic, it's going to be much harder to treat if, if there hasn't been much done in terms of that. But I think the, the key becomes trying to figure out exactly. That's just it's a symptom, right? We know it's a neurological symptom. Now we have to figure out at which point in the body is that nerve being affected and and treat the, the, the cause of that. Mm-hmm. So, so I mean, like, what specialist would I 
what I have to go see in order to get uh, yeah. know, some answers. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be biased and say give us a call at the one eight five 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 doctor Lou number, and we can get you to one of our providers that I know uh, personally will be able to definitely assess uh, pins and needles types of sensation and give you a clearer answer for sure. Busy day today. We'll wrap it for uh, another week. Mandy, hang on the line. I know uh, Dr. Lou wants to get to you after the show. In the meantime, till next week, the number is one eight five five. Dr. Lou, D-R-L-O-U. Dr. Payne, another busy answer. Yeah, yeah. If any questions outside, again, call that number, get a hold of the clinic, and go see him. And we'll catch you next week right here at 12 o'clock. The Dr. Payne Show on Talk Radio, AM 640.